0: This is a Courageous Church podcast, equipping and empowering you to live a courageous life. Join us now as we listen to a message from Courageous Church in Salt Lake City, Utah. We are, as a church, going through a new series that we're calling Wind and Fire, and we're looking at the extraordinary outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the uprising of the early church. Say it with me today, uprising. How many of you guys know we need an uprising of the church in the earth today? Amen? And we're thankful for what the Lord's doing here at Courageous Church in Salt Lake City. And we've been walking through this series now for about three weeks. This is, I believe, the third week in our series that we kicked off just a few weeks ago. And we're walking through the book of Acts, one verse and one chapter at a time. We're kind of jumping around a little bit today. So if you have a Bible, go there with me to Acts chapter 4. We're going to pick up where we left off last week with verses 1 through 4. And if you don't have a Bible, it will be on the screen for you as well. I'm going to be reading from the ESV. And here's what it says. And as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them. These were the religious leaders of the day. And they were greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Next week, we're gonna do baptisms. And, and the key thing about baptisms is that we are proclaiming publicly the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that's a big part of, of what Jesus has told us to do. And it says that they were greatly annoyed that the disciples were doing this. They were proclaiming Jesus as the resurrection and life. In verse 3 it says, And then they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. Scholars say that they didn't count the women, so it could be more like 10,000 and they didn't count the children, so it could be more than that, if you think about all the the men, women, and kids that were getting saved. So in a matter of just a couple days, we've gone from 120 people sitting in an upper room waiting for the promise of God for their life to 3,000 people being added in a day to just a couple days later, about 5,000. Isn't it amazing? The exponential way in which God works in our lives. I wanna say this, God is committed to the process of multiplication in your life and in my life if we're willing to submit to it, if we're willing to surrender and yield to what he wants to do through our public confession of faith, and right now we are living in times where we're seeing people all throughout the world persecuted for their public confession of faith. We see it in Iran, we see it in China, we see it even in Israel, we see it all throughout the world. And so I wanna encourage you That as a follower of Jesus, as a courageous follower of Jesus, that you would recognize that God wants to multiply your confession of faith amongst your circle of friends, amongst your family members, amongst those that don't know Jesus yet. And as we'll see here in a moment, God has some specific promises for our life when we do. So what's going on here? The Holy Spirit's moving. The church is exploding. Miracles are breaking out. Uh, A man had just a couple couple hours earlier been healed he was sitting at this gate called the beautiful gate on the way to the temple Peter and John walk and he says hey he's begging can you give me some money you ever go downtown and you get approached by like a homeless person who's like hey can I have some of that (laughs) and and Peter and John look at each other like we don't got anything but what we do have the power of God the wind and fire of God the Holy Spirit of God We gladly give to you. And they lay hands on this man. And the Bible says that he's healed, that his ankles become strong, that he's able to stand up. He starts rejoicing. He runs into the temple before Peter and John and all the disciples, and he starts praising God. And now the religious people are upset. Verse seven. And when they had set... Peter and John in their midst, they inquired of them, by what power or by what what name did you do this? How did you pull this off is what they want to know. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with wind and fire, said to them, rulers of the people and you elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to you and to all the people of Israel. Say all the people, all the people that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him, this crippled man is standing before you well. Praise God. Verse 11, Peter continues, this Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the what? The cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else. There is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So the disciples have been arrested, but this this temporary setback is actually a setup for them to declare their confession and their belief in Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the one that God raised from the dead, to all of the elders and all of the influencers and all of the leaders in the temple. And then I want you to watch or notice what happens next. Verse 13. Now when the religious folks saw the boldness, say boldness. They saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished. They were amazed at these two guys. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. As I was reading This chapter this week, and just studying and just spending time in the Word of God, something about this particular verse stopped me in my tracks. And it's these words They recognized that they had been with Jesus. The title of my message today is Being with Jesus. Being with Jesus. There was something about what the disciples were doing and saying, that astonished their critics. There was something that gave them pause. There was something that caused them to notice that that these men, these ordinary simple folk, had spent time with Jesus of Nazareth. Have you ever been around somebody that you've recognized has spent time with Jesus? Have you ever been with somebody that you would say, Pastor Jason, they've got a really vibrant relationship with God. I mean, they're just like radiating with the joy and the life and the love of God. You've been around those kind of people? Earlier in my life, once upon a time ago, I was at a college called Vanguard University of Southern California, it's where where I'm from, it's where I studied, and I had this New Testament professor from Korea. His name was Dr. Kim, and he was one of my most favorite people on the planet to learn from. I literally would enjoy sitting in his classes because he just had such wisdom that's the word we're talking about with our young people today, right? Okay. He had such wisdom, but he also had this joy, this like smile. That when he would smile, you just felt the love of God. You ever been around those kind of people? Don't they just make you feel good? Oh my gosh! And Dr. Kim had this way of talking about Jesus that was different than a lot of my other professors who were brilliant, by the way, many of whom contributed to the editing of both the New Living Translation and the NIV. But he had this way of talking about Jesus that was different because I believe he had spent time with Jesus. He had been in the presence of the Lord, and there was something marked about him. There was something distinguishable about his life that gave me pause, that made me say, wow, this man has been with Jesus. Today I want to talk to us about what it means to live like that, to spend time being with Jesus. And I want to look at some distinguishing and noticeable marks of doing so. So if you're taking notes today, number one, when you spend time with Jesus, you become saturated with his spirit. You become saturated. Uh, You ever doing the dishes and you notice your sponge gets all full? It's saturated, right? It's full of water and, and perhaps soap or liquid. And no matter how much you squeeze out of it, it just kind of keeps foaming up. And that's kind of the idea that God wants for our lives. I talked about just a couple of weeks ago how God wants to move through us, flow through us like a conduit. He wants our lives to be full of his spirit, overflowing with his spirit, saturated with his spirit. And when we're talking about the Holy Spirit, I, I made the remark in the very first week, if you were here or not, That the Holy Spirit is often given a lot of different descriptive language all throughout the Bible. If you're familiar with your Old Testament, which I think you should be, I want to encourage you to be, the very first word that we see for the Holy Spirit of God showing up is as this spirit brooding over or hovering over the waters. Let's, Let's throw it up there together and look at it. Genesis chapter 1 verse 2. And here's what it says. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit, the ruach of God, was hovering over the face of the waters. And so we see this this term used for the Holy Spirit, the the wind or the blast of God. But there's another Hebrew word that I want to look at today for the Spirit, and it's the word neshemah. And neshama means breath. Say it with me, breath. breath. Here's what we see right here, just a couple verses later in Genesis 2, 7. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust. He formed him from the ground and he what? He breathed into his nostrils the breath or the Neshema of life. The neshama of life. Interestingly enough, What do we see Jesus do right after the resurrection? John chapter 20, verse 22. And when he had said this, let's throw it up there, Jesus breathed on them. He breathed the Holy Spirit. He said, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive my neshama, my breath of life. Receive wind and fire. Let me ask you, Are you following close enough to Jesus to experience his breath? Are you living in close enough proximity to Jesus to experience the Neshama, the the, the wind or the breath of God on your life? And would people say that about you? You know, um, we all know that person who's got like really bad breath. (laughs) And word kind of gets out about like who they are. Like stay away from so-and-so at work they've got really bad breath. There's something distinguishing and noticeable about that, right? But I wonder if we as Christians, as Christ followers, as believers, would have people say that about us. There's something on them, it it smells different. Hopefully it smells good, amen? In a similar way, when we're with Jesus, we experience his breath. The disciples, Peter and John in this instance, two of the three closest friends of Jesus were with Jesus every day. And I imagine that they, they didn't just smell like Jesus, they, they probably started to carry his mannerisms and his tendencies. They probably started to like the things that he liked. Jesus was like, you know what, I really like trout. Just go with me, okay? I was in Montana a couple of weeks ago fly fishing, so... Jesus is just like, I got a taste for trout. And after about three and a half years, I guarantee you, Peter and John probably did too. Because you start to pick up, you start to become like the people that you hang out with. Husbands and wives, come on. I've been together with this beautiful woman now for 21 years. And we share a lot of the same tendencies now that we did not share years ago. We share tastes for things. Am I lying? When we first met, I hated what? Mushrooms, this woman adores mushrooms. For her 40th birthday, we went to Napa Valley and we had this amazing Michelin-starred meal. It was incredible and they brought out these Italian imported black truffle mushroom risotto and it was insane. Can I tell you, Jason from 20 years ago would not have appreciated such a fine meal. Jason from 20 years ago would not have loved mushrooms. I would have probably gagged at the side of them. That's how much I detested mushrooms. So I always tell my kids, don't worry, your taste buds are going to change. But a lot of the reasons that I love mushrooms now is because I spend time with her. And she loves them. And little by little, that's what our lives with Christ are supposed to look like. The appetites that we once had for the things of the world no longer attract or interest us. But the things that Jesus loves, the things that the presence of God attracts, the things that he wants for our lives are the things we begin to develop a taste for, a appetite for. And as we spend time with him, we become like him. What am I talking about today? I'm talking about intimacy. You know, husbands and wives... You understand when you're intimate with your spouse, you know their breath. You know their neshama because you're close. It's not weird. It's not foreign. It's not unusual. It's real because you're in a real relationship with that person. Don't get all bashful now, folks. Come on. We're all adults in this room. Spending time with Jesus means you become saturated with his spirit. Which means people should be able to smell the fragrance of God on our lives. You should be able to notice the neshema when it comes out of our lives as praise. Why? Because praise is the evidence of a life saturated with His Spirit. Praise is the evidence of His breath in our lungs. You guys remember that song? It's your breath in my lungs, so I'll pour out my praise. Pour out my praise, it's your breath. It's your neshema that you filled my life with God. So what is it doing? It's erupting out of me as praise. Praise is the evidence of a life filled with the Spirit. And as I said last week, it's not a one and done event. It's an invitation to an ongoing daily relationship with God. Amen? So number one, a noticeable mark of being with Jesus is that you become saturated and filled with His Spirit. Number two, you become emboldened with courage. Say it with me. Courage. We like that word around here. We like to say that we are existing to help people become more courageous followers of Jesus. We love this word. Anybody remember the the movie, The Wizard of Oz? Remember the cowardly lion? Anybody read the books? A little different from the movies. What was the, the cowardly lion's problem? He lacked courage. He he gave in to fear. He allowed fear to become his identity when what he was created for as a lion was to roar. And I wonder if for us, as the people of God, as a courageous church, if God wouldn't help some of you step into boldness this year like never before. Let's talk about this for a moment. I like this. Regarding boldness, regarding courage. When you think of Jesus, do you think of him as the mild and meek lamb, the Galilean peasant who just kind of wandered aimlessly throughout Judea with no home or place to lay his head? Or do you think of him as a roaring lion, I love the book of Revelation. It's always been one of my favorite books. And the book of Revelation provides us with a clear and unveiled picture. That's actually what the word revelation means. It means to unveil. It means to uncover. It means to expose. It's the word apocalypse. In the Greek, and it's the unveiling of Jesus as he currently is. It's as if the curtains have been pulled back, and now we get to see Jesus, what he's really like in his glorified, resurrected state. And what is he doing? He's reigning and he's ruling, he's roaring over all the earth and over all things until his father makes every one of his enemies a footstool beneath him. The soon coming and conquering king is not meek and mild he's triumphant and wild and he invites us to step into boldness today he invites us to step into courage like lions proverbs 28 verse 1 says this the wicked flee when no one pursues but the righteous are bold as a lion they're confident because they know who they are and they know what they are created for And they didn't need to look to the other animals of the jungle for their identity. They didn't need permission from the zebra to roar. They didn't need permission from the elephant to stalk their prey. They are created to be bold, not cowardly. And one of the things that we see all throughout the book of Acts is that the disciples were courageous in their confession of faith, not because they themselves possessed courage, but because the Holy Spirit was on their life in power, and in boldness to confess and proclaim the word of the Lord in the name of Jesus. Even unto death, they were bold in their testimony and witness about Jesus. The question I want to ask is why? Why were they so emboldened in their faith? What caused these ordinary, unlearned, common, uneducated men to stare death in the face and say, do your worst? You guys remember that movie, The Count of Monte Cristo from years ago? with Jim Caviezel. Oh my gosh, I'm dating myself now. This is like one of the first movies we ever watched when we were dating. And there's this, there's this moment where the Count of Monte Cristo, played by Jim Caviezel, is facing off with kind of his, his lifelong enemy who used to be his friend. I don't remember his name. I think it's like Count Monahue or something like that. And, and he's, he's got this son with this woman that he loved. Thank you. And uh, they're raising him. And so they set up and they stage this like, this encounter so that he can uh, kind of like affirm this, this young man and his courage. And he's sitting there at the table recalling the moment later and he says, and he's praising him and he says, do your worst, sir. I wonder what would cause men and women all throughout the book of Acts to say that to people who were ready to arrest them, beat them, hurt them, and eventually martyr them for their faith. Might that be something for us to step into? Might it be that they had spent time with Jesus the lion from the tribe of Judah? That they were saturated with his presence and with his spirit and that they were like him in every way. Friends, this is why, as the church, God is inviting us not just to a weekend experience, but into a a daily reality where we are willing to open up our mouths and share good news with people that need it. Am I for modeling the gospel? 100%. Am I for acts of kindness? 100%. Am I for living it out in such a way that people see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven? 100%. But at some point, there's gonna come a time where God has placed somebody in your life and in my life that needs you to open up your mouth and share good news with them, to tell them about the God that you serve, to tell them about how God has changed your life, to testify and be a living witness to the person of Jesus of Nazareth. And here's the reality. You're gonna need boldness to do it. You're gonna need courage to do it. This is, this is partially why we're, we're passionate about community groups because we want you to be around people that are gonna stir up your faith. You know, when you're around people that are bold, you start to become bold. When you're around people that have been with Jesus, you start to pick up that reality for yourself. And this is the challenge to us, is to not allow ourselves to remain alone and isolated from brothers and sisters that were intended to stir up our gifts, to encourage us in our faith, to push us, and yes, sometimes even challenge us to step out and take risks for our lives, to be people of boldness, to be people of, courage. You might be saying here today, Pastor Jason, I, this is an area of struggle for me. Like I'm an introvert. I don't like people. I don't want to talk to anybody. I just want to do my thing. I want to slip in anonymously and slip out. I hope nobody comes and talks to me during that five minute meet and greet because it's terrifying. <laughs> and you said that I am a person for whom boldness is not a natural thing. Can I just tell you, the disciples didn't have it all figured out. And what did they do? They, they prayed for boldness. They prayed that God would fill them with this. I want you to see this. In the same chapter, verse 31, here's what it says. And when they had prayed, let's put it up there. When they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. Acts chapter four, verse 31. There it is. The place that they were in was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with what? Boldness, but did you see what they did just a, a few moments before? They prayed. You said, Pastor Jason, I don't have boldness in my life. Pray for boldness. Pray for courage. Pray for God to fill you with this, and he will. And here he does. Remember, these aren't super Christians. They're ordinary, uneducated, common folk. They had day jobs and bills like you and me. But they prayed, and they were willing to receive what God had for their life, which means that we should too. A big part of how we pray together as a church is on First Tuesdays. We just did this this week. Thank you for those of you that came out and were a part. We pray. We prioritize prayer. We do it on the first Tuesday of every month. And anybody who struggles with prayer, I just want to encourage you in your faith. We've actually put together some free resources for you at our website, courageouschurch.com prayer. We've put together a free prayer course for you. You can actually go on and you can do this all online at your own pace Complete it whenever you want. CourageousChurch.com slash prayer. If you have that QR card, let's throw it up there. Mr. Liam, thank you. Yeah, you can access this anywhere, anytime, and you can go through it, and it's gonna teach you how to pray with boldness. It's gonna teach you how to pray for courage. Amen? So number one, noticeable mark of being with Jesus is that you become saturated with the Spirit. Number two, you become emboldened with courage. And then finally, number three, you become endued with his power. You become endued with his power. Regarding power, let's listen to what Jesus had to say in Luke chapter 24, verse 49. And here's what it says. And behold, and behold, let's throw it up there, Liam. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are what? Clothed with power. The idea is that God is going to put power on your life like a garment, But I actually prefer the way the NKJV says it because that's the one I was raised with. Let's read that one. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Did you know that the promise of God for your life was to experience supernatural power? That's not rhetorical. It is. It's a promise of God for your life and for my life. Did you know that a part of you being able to accomplish the calling of God on your life means that you're gonna need his power to do it? What does the Bible say? 2 Timothy chapter one, verse seven. For God has given us not a spirit of fear, but of what? Power, love, and self-control. 2 Corinthians 4, seven says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all surpassing power is from God and not from us. Colossians 1 being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience. What's the big idea here? The big idea is that God wants his power operating in your life, in your life. We need power to overcome fear. We need power to push through obstacles. Some of you are facing real challenges right now and you're frustrated and perhaps even discouraged because you've been trying to win this battle in the flesh and God never called you to. He did call you to pray. He did call you to yield. He did call you to receive his all-surpassing power to overcome, to endure sometimes hardships that are in our life for a reason. To wait patiently. I'm not a very patient person, how about you? You need power to wait sometimes. And you need power to be his witness in the earth, just like courage. Acts 1.8 says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and in all the earth or to the ends of the earth. The truth is none of us can do this Christian life, this spirit life without power. And God doesn't want us to either. None of us can make disciples on our own. None of us can do the things that Jesus did without his power to do it. You guys believe that? Jesus knows this and as a result sends the promise of the Holy Spirit of wind and fire to come fill us and rest upon our lives so that we can be endured with power to make a difference in the lives of other people. The fact of the matter remains that it's really hard for you and I to be witnesses about someone that we haven't spent any time with, which is why the invitation for us today is to spend time being with Jesus. When we're, Jesus, we be, when we're with Jesus, we become like him. We receive from him boldness and courage and the promise of power to live this reality out. And when we do that, we can, we can be sure that as courageous people living in the earth today, as a church, as his sons and daughters, as co-heirs with Christ, all this wonderful language that the Bible gives us to describe who we now are in him. We can be sure that we're gonna be saturated with his spirit. We're gonna be emboldened with courage. We're gonna be endued with power. And we're gonna make a great difference in the lives of others, amen? Maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor Jason, I've never been filled with the Holy Spirit. I wanna encourage you today to take a step of faith and, and to let us pray for you to allow God to come and rest on you in new ways, in new and exciting, surprising, fresh ways. We'd love to do that. As a team, as leaders, we'll do that. We'll stand right down here after the service is over. If you want us to lay hands on you, we're happy to do that too. Maybe you're here, you're watching this online, maybe you're listening to this, you say, Pastor Jam, I'm kind of tired of not having any courage in my life. I'm kind of tired of feeling timid and afraid. I need courage, I need boldness. Or maybe you'd say to me, you know, Pastor Jam kind of tired of feeling powerless. Like I'm, I'm done with powerless Christianity where I'm just constantly trying to do things in my own effort. In all of these things, we wanna pray for you because we do believe that there is power in prayer, amen? So here's what I wanna to do today. It's a little unusual, but I feel like the Holy Spirit was challenging me as your pastor to challenge you. But if, if any of those things are true of you today, you'd say, I wanna be filled with the Spirit, I want to experience a fresh baptism of the spirit, I want boldness for my life, I want courage for my life, or I want to experience more power, I want you just to stand right where you are. And we're going to pray. And we're going to pray. I want you to take a next step of faith. We're going to do this as a means of response together. I'm going to ask Pastor Candice and Jonathan to come forward too. Without the soundtrack, without the fanfare, the mood music, we're just going to really go to God right now. Is that all right? Can we do that together, church? Father God, I thank you that in these moments, Lord, you are calling us to be a people of faith. That in all things that you've challenged us to do and become, it requires, Lord, a movement of faith, a next step. And for those that just stood, I just want to commend them. I want to applaud their faith today to say, God, I want that. I want to be filled with your Holy Spirit. I want to be baptized afresh. I want to experience wind and fire. I want to experience boldness and courage. I want to experience power to live this life the way that you've created me to. Not empty, but filled. Not broken, but healed. Not fearful, but courageous. And so, Lord, in these moments, we ask for your Holy Spirit to come. To come in power, yes, to, to come in, in demonstration, yes, but, but more importantly, God, to, to, to do what only you can do in the unseen. So to that heart today that's saying, Jesus, I wanna follow you and I want you to fill me, would you fill them right now? In the mighty name of Jesus. And to that heart that's saying, I'm tired of being afraid, I want boldness, I want courage. Would you fill them with boldness and courage, God? And for those, Lord God, that are tired of feeling powerless, that need power, God, we need your power. Would you fill them with power today? In the mighty name of Jesus, we all pray. If you believe that and you receive that today, can you say amen with us as a church? Thank you for listening today. If you were blessed and you want to be a part of what God is doing through Courageous Church, including ways that you can give, visit us online at CourageousChurch.com.